Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to USTA Florida's Here to Serve podcast. This is our last podcast of the year, and I'm pretty excited because uh, our wonderful staff is turning the tables on me, and they're going to ask me some questions today, many of which you all sent in. Um, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, my name is Laura Bowen, and I'm the executive director at USTA Florida. And here to ask me some fun questions is our marketing manager, Stefan Burnett. Welcome back, Stefan. Thank you. Excited for this episode. Well, this is your your show here, so you get to, <laughs> to take it away, and I have my coffee ready, and hopefully, I can get some good answers. Yeah. So we got our you know year end episode here, so we're excited to to ask some questions back to Laura here. Uh, this is our 38th episode, so, you know, great to kind of reflect on that. Uh, you know, I wanted to just to give a, a few little stats for our, for our listeners, uh, just to kind of show, you know, with how thankful we, we are for, you know, all, all the listeners, all the downloads. So we've had 2,000 downloads over the 10 platforms this year. Uh, we've had 30, you know, approximately 30,000 views on on this podcast on Facebook uh, and Instagram, and then we've also had for for our coronavirus webpage 21,600 views. So, you know, very thankful for everyone that contributed. I want to give a special shout out as well to Shanaz Maharaj on our on my marketing team, who's been so so great with all the uh, visual visuals, audio for this, making us look good. Uh, also, thank you to all the directors, staff members, and uh, guest speakers that, that have come on throughout the year of all these various topics. You know, I really think it's been great for our listeners and be, hopefully been very informative to, uh, to you know, all, all the listeners and, and fans in Florida. So I also have to, you know, give a great shout as well to, to Laura, you know, with, with her incredible leadership. Uh, you know, and hosting all of these 38 episodes all year. So we, you know, we thoroughly appreciate all of that. And, you know, again, I think it's been uh, very valuable for everyone for this uh, challenging year. It's been a joy for me to host. I've learned quite a bit. And, you know, obviously making sure that we're communicating well is something that I take very personally. So, um, you know, thank you to everyone uh, for tuning in. And and again, I couldn't have done this without our guests, the marketing team and all the staff who've helped put this together. So although you see my face a lot, there's a lot of people that are behind the scenes, as Stefan mentioned. So it's been a great joy for me to do this podcast. I've learned a great deal and I'm, I'm sure I'll learn a lot more as we move forward. Yeah, thank you. So, I, you know, we've had the opportunity of asking everyone throughout the year, you know, what their tennis story is. So I think all the listeners are, uh, you know, dying to hear what your tennis story is, how you got involved and, you know, what, what your, you know, what your big shot is when, when you're on the court. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're dying to know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my tennis story is probably very different than most people in our organization. I did not grow up playing tennis. I actually grew up playing softball when I was five years old. My mother took me over. We, we lived right next to a softball field, municipal softball field called Skimmer Field. It's in Burlington, New Jersey. And my mom took me across uh, the, the field and I think maybe paid like five bucks for the season. And, and it was great because she didn't have to go to anything. She was a single mom of two kids. And I grew up playing softball since the age of five. And I still played up until coronavirus happened. It's been something I've done my whole life. So I do understand 
people who have a passion for tennis. Um, my mom actually played tennis. So my mom loves tennis. It's the one sport that she really enjoyed. She taught herself how to play mm-hmm. again at the municipal courts. And when I was a teenager and really didn't like my mom very much, which most teenage girls don't like their moms for <laughs> many years. Um, and I did not like my mom very much for many years. Um, but we would go out on the tennis court and we would play. And so she would, uh, she didn't really teach me how to play. She just let me play. She, I would hit the ball too hard. I would hit it out. Uh, we weren't playing with appropriate sized equipment, of course, but it was a good time for us to bond. And so anytime as I moved away and I would come home for holidays or visits, my mom would say, do you want to go play tennis? And it's the one thing that has been a really big bond for us. So when my family moved back to Florida in 2011, uh, it was sort of just happenstance that I ended up buying a house right down the street from USTA Florida in Daytona Beach, ended up getting a job there as director of marketing and membership, but I still didn't play tennis. And one of the things about the culture of tennis, which you know people internally have heard me talk about a lot, is that as, uh, as a beginner, you don't get invited to play. You're not good enough. And so I can't tell you how many times people told me, go take some lessons and then come back. There were already groups that played and it wasn't exactly somebody was inviting me to come and hit with them or anything like that. So for many years, I didn't play. And then we started um, to do various events and I found cardio tennis. So shout out to Michelle Krause and USTA because at fr- when I saw cardio tennis, I was like, that's something I could really get into. Um, I didn't have to serve. You weren't like, you weren't competing to play points. You weren't going to be like a loser. And the culture was very friendly. People were sort of like, say, Hey, stand here and and follow me. I'll show you what to do. And I really enjoyed that a lot. And so that kind of started me down the path of then wanting to get better, uh, wanting to learn more. So um, I did have a good friend of mine uh, teach me how to play. Uh, And at first it was a little too aggressive. And I was like, Hey, this isn't fun for me. (laughs) Like we need to, we need to check the box on fun. Um, but I actually have a really good backhand, which is super awesome. unusual. So yes. that is my favorite shot. And I, I have a really good backhand. I can't say anything else about my tennis play is really good, but I try to be a good mover. I try to volley and I'm, not, I'm, I'm decent volleyer and I have a good backhand. If I could get the forehand and the serve to kind of go with it, maybe in another 10 years, I'll I'll be a really good player. So that's my tennis right. story. And I still play with my mom who plays orange ball on a 60 foot court. Mm-hmm. And I still play with my mom. And I think I only recently got to the point where I could beat her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're, we're gonna have to ask her on that one. <laughs> yeah, you probably won't admit that, but only because I can move a little bit better than she can. I think that's my, but she can put the ball where she wants it, which makes it really hard. Okay, well now we know. Thank you for for sharing. That's that's great. You know, I think we've got a good mix. You know, in our organization, which always helps to to know it. You know, and help it at every level. So that's great. Um, okay, so moving on, as as Laura mentioned, we have. You know, we reached out to all our Florida tennis fans to to ask, see if they have any questions for Laura. So we have a few submissions here. So we'll start off with uh, Jackie Harris's question from Duval. And it is, will the match format return to five lines for the 18 and 40 plus leagues? 
Well, first of all, I have to say it's Duval. I know that, Jackie, so I'll have to make sure we say that correctly, but thank you for your question. Um, and so this one, I'm not sure if your question is about sectional events, nationals, local, but locally speaking, it's up to the local league to determine. Um, and so the local league can decide to do five lines. So that's really a decision that's made in your local league. So our local league coordinator could really help explain what your local league has decided on and why. Our sectional events that we host follow the national guidelines. And I think that makes sense because if you compete at a sectional, you qualify to go to national. So we try to follow the same format. For 18 and over in 2021, that's five lines. For 40 and over in 2021, that's four lines. So again, those requirements are put out uh, by national. So uh, my answer to that is uh, yes, in some cases it will be five lines, in other cases it won't. And you can contact your local um, local play coordinator and that's Ashley Miller, and she can help to explain what, what's happening there in Duval and St. John's. Great, and then our second question comes from Flor Contreras and from Hillsborough. And the question is, when are the local tournaments going to retake the regular score system for their matches? We were recently at an L4 in San Lando, and it was great that the players were able to play without the pressure of no ad scoring or playing short sets. Even though it was a big draw, everything was well organized and we felt safe, which is great. Uh, locally, the tournaments are not that crowded and people at this point keep their distance and try their best to have a good and safe environment for everybody. So why do the kids still have to play with the no ad scoring? This is a great question. First of all, shout out to San Lando Park for uh, providing a safe environment and a well-run event. Uh, it's one of our uh, favorite facilities. That's actually where I took cardio tennis. So um, that's where my tennis story uh, at USTA Florida really started. Mm. But I love that facility. Glad you had a great experience. So the decision to do no ad scoring really comes down to the tournament director. It's not a mandate that we put out there. Um, what USTA Florida does, and you'll see this in the 2021 tournament structure, um, USTA and USTA Florida, we kind of uh, say, hey, for this level, this is maybe the appropriate draw size or the appropriate formats of play, but we really don't um, specify something like no ad scoring. So I would say that there might be various reasons why a tournament director would do that. As you mentioned, it might be just to keep play moving, um, many reasons why they might do that. So I would call the tournament director before you play and ask that question. And I think they can explain to you what choice they're making um, and why they're making it. And certainly if you have any follow-up questions, uh, please let us know. Great. And then our third question comes from Nancy Ernest. And that question is, can you explain the differences in the ranking lists? I see standing lists, tentative ranking lists, and an endorsement list. Uh, I will say, Nancy, I'm surprised those are the only four you see, because when I go to Tennis Link in 2020, I think I see like 20 lists and it's extremely confusing. So this is one of the reasons that USTA is moving to a more consistent tournament structure across the board. It's exceedingly confusing to figure out where your child is in which list, for which events, what they should be playing, what it means. That's not going to be the case in 2021. So I think it would probably take us two hours to explain all of those lists from 2020. 
we're not going to do that. But what we are going to do is say in 2021, it's going to be very much simpler. So there'll be one list. And the reason why there's going to be one list is because all of the tournaments, level one through seven across the country, will actually be the same. They'll be the same format and they have the same point structure. And so what happens is, is that you'll get the same points for, say, a, a level five here in Florida that you would for a level five in New Jersey or Washington State. So that means no matter what you play, you should be awarded the same type of points. And those will go into sort of this master list. And it's one list that uh, essentially ranks all of the youth players in the state. And then what we can do at Florida is we can filter that list by Florida only. So for national tournaments, they look at the overall list. We have a specific quota of players that they will take. And that's important because if the master list overall, say the first 25 players are all from Southern section, well, then you just end up having a Southern section event. So each section gets different quotas for players that can go in it. And that's how the national events are selected. And then for Florida events, we filtered that down to Florida and we use that list for our L3s, L4s, and L5s. Now, I know that there's been a lot of discussion about shadow rankings, which is uh, the term that's being used for that new list. Um, it's called shadow rankings because it's basically not in effect yet. And so they're just sort of showing where the players stand this year compared to next year. It's an imperfect tra translation, and we know that. It's not ideal. It's not where we want it to be. We're really working through that, and we're really working through what's the best way to do selection for the L3s, L4s, and L5s that are coming up early in the year. I don't have an answer for you on that yet, but I guarantee we'll have another podcast on that probably in January with people way more expert than me. But hopefully that simplifies it for you and you'll be able to find that list, that master list, and be able to filter it down to Florida um, if that's where you're playing. You can do that in January. So that list will be available in Serve Tennis. So Tennis Link has the old list and the old tournament information. Serve Tennis has the new information and the new master list. Okay, great information there. Uh, and then our last, last one, last submission was from Sophie Batucci. So that question is, I recently took a bad fall on the courts. Sorry about that. I hope you're recovering yeah. well there. Um, and after several weeks of recovery, which is great, uh, maybe I need to change my shoe brand. So can you recommend one or two court shoes for play that would prevent that? This is a great question, Sophie. Um, I am not a shoe expert, but this was my favorite question because it took me uh, a little bit to figure out uh, what was what should have been obvious to me right away, which is tennis has specialty retailers and they look at gear and equipment all day, every day. That's their business. So uh, there are several of them um, and I'll list a few. Uh, I'm not really promoting anyone specifically. Uh, one of the retailers here in Florida is called Tennis Plaza. And then you have several others located um, throughout the U.S., including Frometh, uh, Tennis Express, Tennis Warehouse, just to name a few. And they all have really robust websites and they do a lot of reviews on equipment and gear every year. Well, I was particularly curious to find out what the recommendations would be for you. 
So I did a little bit of research and what I came up with is it appears that um, when you look, if you're looking for support and stability that uh, the retailers are recommending Nike Air Zoom Vapor Cage 4. I am not getting paid to endorse Nike, but I will say as a runner, I've worn Nike my whole life. I love Nike shoes. Personally, that actually is the shoe that Rafa Nadal wears and it does come in women and men's uh, uh, types and all kinds of different colors and several of them are on sale for the holidays. So as I'm looking for a tennis shoe, this is most likely what I one of the ones I would look at. But I would say visit some of the websites uh, that I mentioned, Tennis Warehouse, Tennis Express. Um, they do a really good job of, of telling you, hey, here's what the shoe is good for and it's not like here's the best shoe no matter what they all have different strengths and weaknesses so support stability those kind of things you would want to look for a shoe that really um you know excels in those categories as opposed to maybe a shoe that is a little lighter weight and doesn't have as much you know weight to it or structure to it and there are plenty of those i'm sure there'll be some new reviews coming out for 2021 on those sites so my recommendation again is just to go to those websites and then give them a call if you have some follow-up questions but other than that if you want to try to play like Rafa and slide all over the court. Maybe that Nike Air Zoom Vapor Cage 4 is your choice. Yeah, he's it's, it's not a bad mover, so that's, you know, more <laughs> on the shoes. <laughs> all right, well, thank you, everyone, for for your submissions. And, you know, again, I really hope you, you got a lot out of this year, you know, with all the different topics and episodes. So to end here, we're going to ask a few questions uh, of Laura to, you know, reflect on, on 2020 and uh, plan for 2021. Uh, so, so to end here, we're going to ask Laura a few questions to reflect on 2020 and, you know, plans for 2021. So, you know, I know we've kind of had these discussions, you know, within our organization of, you know, it's, it's easy to look at 2020 as, as being, you know, such a bad year, uh, you know, and being maybe perhaps negative on that in, in some aspects. I think we've had a great outlook in terms of really boosting tennis you know in florida and and really kind of having having some plans going forward that, that will help the game grow um so i wanted to ask you you know what what lessons have you learned and have we learned as an organization over this past year great that's a great question so i i agree i think that you know it's it's been easy for all of us or it's tempting to kind of get caught up in like oh what a bad year but when we really look at 2020 as a whole, like it really pushed us in some positive directions. So first of all, we're very fortunate to be in Florida. Um, and I can't say that enough. Um, you know, that's not really something we control, but we are in Florida. We have outdoor courts. We have a lot of demand for recreational activity and tennis is the safest sport. So we were very fortunate that the amount of time that we were closed or couldn't play safely was was very short. We figured that out pretty quickly, I think, as a state. And I will say that our players have done a really good job wearing masks, following safety protocols, which are which are key. So first and foremost, just I think we realize we all realize how lucky we are to be in Florida. There are other parts of the country that do not have the same uh, 
the same ability to play like we did. So I think that's one big takeaway is how great Florida is for tennis. I think the second takeaway that I have is um, just the need to implement technology before it's needed. And I think that um, tennis, uh, I don't think I'm going to say anything that's going to surprise anybody, but tennis overall has been a slow adopter of technology compared to other industries and perhaps even compared to other sports. And I think that when this year happened, um, we weren't the only industry that was like, oh, we have to figure this out now. We have to figure out how to use technology to run an event. And I think we all know Tennis Link is like 20 years old. And so we had a lot of legacy systems and we hadn't evolved our technology or our tools for a really long time as an industry. And I think a, a lesson or a good takeaway is number one, we need to do that. But number two, look, look how ready people were to adopt technology. You know, there's that saying that necessity is the mother of invention. And I think you know, there there used to be this chatter of, oh, people won't do that. People don't want that. People don't want an app. They don't want to book things online. And now you look, uh, you know, what the world's like now compared to March. I mean, we order food online. We do everything on our phone. And, you know, whether that's good, bad, I don't know. But it is it is the state that we're in. So I think investing in technology, constantly evolving, trying new things, implementing new things before they're needed is a tremendous advantage. And I, I hope that's something that we continue to do. The third thing that I thought was a, a great positive and silver lining is I think all of us are so busy in our day to day. You know, it's like USTA is in this world here and I'm including myself in that we're in our our little box and then USPTA and our pros are in a little box and then you've got other partners in their box and when COVID happened and things shut down and we were trying to figure things out it was a beautiful thing to see everybody come to the table together and say you know let's work on this together and the amount of respect and collaboration that happened um, having calls with pros and partners and things, and we were able to listen and really learn from what was happening at the local level. It really showed what a strong tennis ecosystem I think we have. So, you know, I think that COVID could have really been um, a bad thing for us, but I do think we turned it into a very heavy advantage here in Florida. And now um, some of the work we've done on having an adult beginner program, Love to Learn, Love to Play, is really... Uh, turning into a huge asset as more people are coming into tennis. So some of the resources that we put into place before um, are really becoming very, very valuable. And now we are challenging ourselves to say, let's do more of this. Let, what else do we need to do to be ahead of the curve? So I'm, I'm very proud of the work that the entire industry has done. Um, you know, I, I can't say I've talked to a single person that's involved in tennis in Florida who hasn't been exceedingly collaborative, supportive, and wanting to, you know, help our players and our providers. So it's been an inspiring year in a, in a lot of ways, an exhausting year for sure, but a very inspiring year also. Yeah. 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 That kind of leads into the question as well, uh, the new normal for USDA Florida. Do you want to expand on that a bit? Um, I know those items brought up with technology and hopefully that collaboration will become a new normal. Is there anything else uh, that, that you envision? Yeah, I think um, 
probably, you know, we talked about technology for events like virtual tournament desks and those kind of things. I, I think that that change has, has happened and we'll just get better and better and better at it. So that's definitely the new normal. And I think what we're still trying to figure out is the collaboration piece, right? So we have these virtual tools now that we're trying to get better at doing virtual education, virtual connection uh, through tools like Zoom. And, you know, we use Microsoft Teams for this podcast. I mean, we're using a lot of tools and trying to figure out, okay, we don't see it as an either or. It's not, oh, you either meet in person or if that's not possible, you do a virtual meeting. I think these things are part of a whole. And, you know, we've had a difficulty, uh, and I, I'd also think this is very fair to say, anybody who's who's gone to a tennis conference or a tennis workshop or a tennis meeting of some sort, whether that's a USTA meeting, a USPTA meeting, a USTA Florida meeting, I think we've had this problem where it's like, we'll have a meeting and we'll figure out what we're going to do when you get there, you know? And I think now we're sort of challenging that and saying, what are we trying to accomplish? And what is the best way to deliver that? When is in person the best way to do something? And it doesn't have to be everything. And then when is virtual the best way to do something? So I think it's um, it's sort of figuring that out. And that's going to put us in a different space than we've been in. So I don't quite think we're there with that piece yet, but I do think that'll become part of the new normal. Doing more virtual training, education, meetings, those kind of things is also part of the new normal. And, you know, I think for our staff, um, we've really excelled at working um, outside of departments. I, I think in some ways, COVID sort of gave a final hit to you know, my title is X, so I do this. That's not the world we live in. I think we were we we live in a very um, I hate to use the word fluid, but it's used so much. We, <laughs> we're in a very fluid, projectized type of environment. It's here's what we want to work on. What five or six people with what backgrounds and personality types do we need to work on this? And then they come together. And magic happens. We saw that happen numerous times this year. The podcast is one example. Um, you know, our Amplify project, another example. That wasn't, hey, department director, make this happen. That was, hey, staff, who wants to participate in this? And so I think the new normal for us is that, you know, yes, you have a title, you have a job description, you sit in a department, but ultimately we're all part of this whole, we're all this one team that's working to fulfill our mission and our strategic priorities. And, you know, the more nimble we can be in day-to-day -day business, the more successful we're going to be. So I see that continuing to be our best practice and our normal going forward. Great. Okay. So for all our listeners as well, what is the plan for this podcast in 2021? That's a great question. So uh, we've done 38 episodes since April. Was it April? I can't remember when we first started. I feel like it was April. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think it was, yeah. It seems so long ago, yet it seems like it's <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> um, You know, the plan right now for the podcast is actually to do it every other week starting um, in January. And we're going to still have the opportunity to do, um, you know, other podcasts if needed. So if, if we feel like, hey, there's a really pressing topic that has come up, let's throw an let's throw a bonus podcast in there 
on a certain month. So I think for us, it's really just moving to every other week. We are in, um, you know, almost full play mode right now. I think almost everything that we're doing is happening with the exception of some of our like family play opportunities and things. So I think by and large, we've, we've settled into a really good space where there might be a couple of topics each month that we address. And then of course, any questions that our audience asks, we can address. But I, I think that's sort of where we're gonna land in 2021 is is every other week. So instead of 38, they'll hopefully be like 26. Yeah, <laughs> all right, thank you. And then lastly, to, to end here, how will you be celebrating the holidays? This is a great question. So my celebration has already started. You can tell okay, from my nice. shirt that I never wear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my family has a wonderful tradition that started when I was a little girl. Um, my mother loves to bake. And when I was very young, we didn't have money to buy our people presents in our family. So um, meaning like my mom's brothers, sisters, etc. So my mother would bake cookies and we would decorate them. And so this started when I was very, very little. And we've done that every year since. And my brother has three kids and they've all done it. It's sort of like a rite of passage in our family that you help with the cookies. And so we call it the Great Bowen Cookie Bake. And we have already done that. Actually, we do it before Christmas so that we can give out the cookies and enjoy them. And then I'll be having dinner also with my parents um, this week. So those are the things, mainly family, you know, spending time with family. And then I also like to read when I'm off. So I try to pick at least one book. Um, that's how I get my reading in. So anytime I take time off, um, I pick a book and I uh, try to read it. And, and it's very random. I finished a fiction. Uh, it was a really cool mystery book over uh, Thanksgiving. And now I'm going to uh, read a book about uh, burnout actually <laughs> over the holidays though. So, uh, let's see how that one goes. But uh, so really reading and spending time with my family. That's, that's my favorite holiday. All right, great. And we've got the cool Florida weather to enjoy, it seems like, for the next couple of weeks. So that'll be great. So Yes, it's, it's winter here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's cool for here. Let's put our jackets on and drink hot yeah. cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, well, thank you very much, Laura, for, for all your responses there and, and happy holidays to all. Yes, thank you so much, Stefan. And for those of you who are listening to the audio version of this podcast, be sure to hop over to USTA Florida's Facebook page where you can see the video version. You can see my holiday shirt and my wonderful holiday mug. And uh, as Stefan said, we wish you all a very safe, healthy, and happy holiday. And we can't wait to see you all back on the courts in 2021. Thank you.